Hi, it's Tim Bosfield, uh, director, guest artist, actor uh, for life, 30-something, West Wing. I had a great time talking to Jeff on Spoiler Country, and I think you'll have a good time listening. It's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's it's Timothy Busfield part duh. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, after their technical difficulties, they got back on and they decided to talk for another hour. And uh, he decided to give it to you and let you listen to all of it and all of its glory because... There's some fun stuff in this one. <laughs> that was a weird way to put that. Well, <laughs> I decided to it give it to you and give it to you in all of its glory. Yeah, yeah. Got to make it interesting, <laughs> man. That's all. You know. Don't, 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 don't throw me down for my creative chops of don't, saying words don't, really goody, please. Don't, don't, don't throw me down. <laughs> oh don't. man, that's hilarious. Well, yeah. part one was really cool. Yeah, and I'm excited to listen to part two. So why don't we just get into it and listen to Timothy Busfield in his own words. So your most recent directorial, directorial project is Guest Artist, which was produced by your wife, Melissa Gilbert. Does it add pressure working with one spouse in a project like this? <laughs> no we actually jeff and melissa and i put a company together we all three produced it we work really well melissa and i really work well together not only as actors but you know we're, we're sort of cut from the same cloth as far as the work goes our attitudes about the work are the same you know she learned a lot from michael landon michael landon was a director producer actor writer I'm a director, producer, actor. I'm not a writer at his level. He wrote some amazingly beautiful tearjerker episodes of that show that were fantastic. But, you know, there's be, you get a no-nonsense when you wear a lot of hats. There's just not a lot of room. Uh, where people get mostly confused is when they only wear one hat and they don't know how the other people do their jobs. So. You tend to let them do their jobs or you're afraid to interfere. You can't be an executive producer, director, executive producer, 
of a TV show and not know everybody's job. You can be a writer, executive producer, and not know anybody's job. You can be a money executive producer and not know anybody's job. But to be the director, executive producer of a TV show, which is very hard and there's not a lot of, you have to know everybody's job, which then ends up translating into no nonsense, a no nonsense mentality. And Melissa has that. Give her a call time. She's there. Shows up. Knows her lines, ready to play. And she's also smart. She's got great ideas and great fixes. Or if something bumps for her, editing this with her, she comes with fixes, which we want. You know, you don't, anybody can say, I don't like it. Or, or do that. I don't like it. You, I don't like how you did this. I just don't like it. It's like, okay, well, what's the fix? And you're like, I don't know what the fix is. <laughs> you're like, well, give me a fix and then I'll go sideways with that and I'll come up with, a better fix, maybe, or I'll do it. But I can't move forward without a fix. And she's great for fixes all the time. So I, I no pressure there. And and Jeff was great. Uh, I could not he could not have treated me more like every director would want to be treated. Even though he wrote it and was starring in it and was producing it, he said it's your movie. I'd say I feel like we need to move out and get outside and earn the ending and come back because it's so emotional. And even if he didn't agree, and maybe he was right, if he didn't agree, uh, which he never told me he didn't agree, he just did it. And said, as long as we embrace that it's a play and the audience feels like they're still watching a play, and I said, I'm sure they will. But we got some emotion. I'm, I want to make sure we get out of him at the end. And I don't know how, I, it was just me not feeling like I could do it. And he was great. Now, one thing I, I definitely wanted to ask you, so... Because it kind of connects with guest artists. You've been married to Melissa Gilbert now for seven years, which in the world of Hollywood is like lifetimes. And I'm about to be celebrating my second year anniversary to my wife. So my question is, how? Like, what's the key? Like, how have you made this work? Where apparently it is so difficult for so many other people, especially in Hollywood, to make this work, especially working together on projects making this work. Well, you know, both of us have been married twice before. So, you know, we learned... I think there's not a lot of romance as far as dreaming of what it should be, you know, which is what first time out, two years in, you've got everybody's in the world's version of what marriage should be over you. Uh, And in time, you and your wife will just make it yours. Hollywood, it's just built for things not laughing and lasting. You know, I mean, you're not in the same place. You're on, you're on locations for great chunks of time. People are blowing smoke, you know, up your ass all the time about how great you are and handsome you are and right and strong and this and that. There's so many distractions, things that would make it difficult to not be selfish and self-centered. Three marriages in. Uh, this is our third marriage. I think we're both realistic about what we want to do. I don't tell her not to do things she wants to do. I don't, I'm not threatened by things that she wants to do that she's been doing her whole life. And humility disarms antagonism. It's better to say you're wrong, even if you're right, if it makes the argument go away, <laughs> than to create an abyss between you and the other person because you, you insist on saying you're right. 
Now, uh, so yeah, better. I'm say, when working together on guest artists, I assume because both of you have, are very accomplished. You've you've been a director of a, I read 144 TV shows. Lisa Gilbert has a very impressive career on on her own. Is when you guys had conflicts, I assume there were on guest artists. How did you resolve them? You know, I don't think we had any. We really didn't have. It's it is really hard at this point right here. Yeah, I directed, a, I don't know what number it is. I don't think the IMDb numbers are right, but because I did so many multiples of so many shows, I got shows that aren't even on IMDb <laughs> for whatever reason, and I can't get them to do that. I got 10 or 15 shows that just don't show up no matter what you write in there. So there's a lot, but I also produced a lot. And I have a no dickhead policy at work. Uh, <laughs> you can't be just losing your shit. Uh, where I'm the most difficult with anybody when I'm working as a director, executive producer, are the ones above me. I challenge the ones above me and everybody below me. Everybody has a good time. The ones that are with me. But I will challenge a writer if the script doesn't work or if there's holes or if I think the audience is going to get lost in something or if they're being a dick. I'll say you're being a dick. <laughs> Stop being a dick. You know, there's no room for that. We're all the same here. Uh, uh, Redford wasn't a dick. You don't get to be a dick if Redford can't be a dick. So, you know, uh, it's like uh, Ocean's whatever, Ocean's 13. You know, you met Sinatra, you shook Sinatra's hand. If you shook Sinatra's hand, you can't be a dick. Uh, <laughs> you know, Elliot Gould said something like that. The guys that wrote Billions wrote that. Don't go away. I don't know who you are. Uh, I got rid of somebody. It was probably somebody calling and saying, you have COVID. What was the question? I forgot where we were. Uh, we're talking about how to balance ego, especially among a marriage couple. On the oh, job. yeah. You know what? I got the girl. She's so great. She's sweet. Melissa is just that sweet. She's that person. So it's really hard. And if I am dicky to her, I feel really bad about it. <laughs> you know, and of course I am. You know, I'm a volatile actor, emotional. You know, I mean, we're the things that make. And this is an important thing to realize for anybody out there that wants to direct or produce or act or be in our business, right? If I was to look at what the attributes of, let's say, I played baseball. So I'm going to say, what are the attributes of a baseball player? Emotionally strong, ability to ride the roller coaster and still maintain confidence. So an at-bat can't ruin the next at-bat if you strike out how to stay solid. If you're a pitcher and he got a runner on third with no outs, you have to have a certain uh, steeliness inside you and competitiveness to leave that guy at third and then to register three outs and to like that situation. You don't need to be cozy and emotional. Emotion isn't good for you in that situation. You want to breathe. You want to relax. The attributes of an actor Almost every day, what we want, emotional instability, the ability to get angry in, in a second, cry on cue in a second, show me deep depression and complete elation. So we're looking for people with the DNA that means that their life is roller coastery. And yet we look at them like, boy, you're fucked up. <laughs> Uh, rather than, of course, that's what that's what we're buying. You can't believably play somebody who's enormously jealous, having not experienced jealousy. 
it's just really hard to pull it off. You can act it, but you know, there's a lot of great actors out there that don't look like they're acting and, you know, finding a way to every little bit can help. So if you, if you need to cry, find something that makes you cry and show it to millions of people. That's not normal. <laughs> it's just not normal <laughs> behavior, what you ask of us. Yet all the attributes that we have are things that so many people would say are, are liabilities. So relationships are hard. Having an actor have a fight with another actor that they're with or a non-actor in a fight probably be a little too dramatic. Uh, you know, and I've been in arguments where in the argument, while I've been arguing, <laughs> I'm saying to myself, oh, that's good. I got to remember. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> so we're damaged. Our damage is what people are paying for, our ability to come to work and then take all of our crap and throw it out there for people to see. Like every great artist, that's well, our job. Whether well, how about, it's Van Gogh or whether it's Jack Nicholson. Well, how about the DNA of a director then? Because you're that as well. Well, a director, that's where things you can't necessarily go there. A director has to be all things to all people. You have to go in and have one actor who needs coddling and another actor who doesn't. I mean, there were on damages. I directed a, a number of episodes of damages. And if I had to give Glenn Close a note, I didn't go to Glenn first. I made up something to say to Rose Byrne or Ted <laughs> Danson or Goodman or Tate or whoever was in the scene. I would think of something to go to them with because uh, Glenn's a Hall of Famer and I don't want to embarrass her. So I don't want to say cut and then go in and give a note to her and then come back out. And I, I want her to be free of any self-consciousness. That's when she's unbelievable. And so as a director, being aware of how people can interfere with your performance, which happens a lot, you know, uh, uh, directors saying the wrong thing, other actors saying the wrong thing, script supervisors saying the wrong thing, things that set you off and make you back up. My job is to make sure that everybody's handing off the baton perfectly. And that might mean dealing with actors in different ways. But, you know, that you can't be that as a director. You really can't. You can. I mean, there are directors who like that on the set. Oliver Stone, I've never worked with him, but is notorious for liking a dysfunctional environment on the set that he works best in that. I've spent so many years as an actor sort of at the point of what everybody's looking at. And when you're at the point, it just means you can see all the rest of the, the cone, right? You can see where it goes wide. You see the script supervisor who just uh, is back to work after having a baby. You see the craft service guy going through a divorce. You see the camera operator who just lost his wife. You become a family of laborers who every day go 12 hours to deliver a product. When that happens, one, the romance of what you're doing gets beat out. You're no longer saying, I'm on a TV show or I'm in a movie. You're saying, what are my lines? What's next? What can I do? And the second thing that happens 
is when you're at that point, when everybody in the whole stage is looking at you, lighting, camera, everything, and you look back and you see that support system, you start to love the crew. You start to love all of those people that are who you live with every day. They're more important than the audience. They're more important than the writers. They're more important than anybody. And when coming to directing after having had that as an actor, I'm much more conscious of getting them home and safe. And I'm also much more apt in a TV show, which the movie Guest Artist was like, in TV, you can't shoot to edit. You just can't, especially if you're on a network TV show. What I mean by that is on a network TV show, especially nowadays, most every script is 14, 15, 16 minutes long going into production. If you shoot, okay, say, you know, you're going to walk in the door and I'm going to pan over and you guys are going to sit at the table for the first minute. And then I'm going to start covering you guys at the table. After that, I'm going to go in for close-ups at the table. If you're and you learn this executive producing and what we call locking episodes, when you have an episode to deliver that has to be 41 minutes and 30 seconds, it can't be 40 minutes, it can't be 41 minutes and 40 seconds. They've sold ad time to advertisers, they have affiliates that need the ad time, that needs to be 41 minutes and 30 seconds. To get it to 41 minutes and 30 seconds, you need other shots that allow you to cut time out. You don't have that in television. So, and with guest artists, we shot it in seven days with the director of photography with my son, who had done a lot of TV with me, but I couldn't afford to sort of what Spielberg does is this shot leads to that shot, leads to that shot, leads to that shot. And he'll go really fast, but he'll only shoot those four different shots in an entire scene. And it's more cinematic. It's better storytelling. But a successful television director gets you lots of shots. I've got three cameras going, two cameras going. Spielberg might be doing two cameras, but it looks like he only does one. Christopher Nolan looks like he only really uses one. He might use other and action pieces but they pick their shots to they're editing in their head while they're shooting in television. It's very difficult when you're long and it also wants to live in close-ups because it's, you know, people are watching on their phone. And so you need those shots. If you stay wide, like Spielberg might stay wide if it's beautiful and let two people walk and get scope from a ways away or Woody Allen and stay back away. You can do it in a feature because you're not on, you don't have time restrictions. If the performance isn't there, you can tweak it each take faster, cut this, cut that. And you get that. So it's, you can hear it and literary, the literary is really good. It's cruising. So, you know, we're good literary wise. And if the shot doesn't have a bobble in it and it, it's not soft or out of focus, and everybody does it right, that should be a nice scene if the literary's crackling. On television, whether it's a nice scene or not, doesn't matter to most writers. Their attitude, and they're the ones that run TV, they say, I want all the coverage you can get. Don't worry if it's, you know, just get, I'll fix it in post. 
that's a very different mentality than in feature films that you have to learn. Now, what got us there, but no. Um, so for our listeners, what is guest artist about? If you had to give like the one or the elevator pitch as it were, what is guest, uh, what is it about? Guest artist is a, was a play. It was bit. It's was a play based on an incident. And the incident was Lanford Wilson, a Pulitzer prize winning playwright shows up in Jeff's theater in Michigan to have a play produced and he hasn't written a word. <laughs> and what this movie is about is sort of the clashing of the apprentice who's there to pick up the Lanford Wilson character and the Lanford Wilson character who's mired in fear and alcohol and all kinds of problems who wants to turn around and go back to New York. And this kid is the task of making him stay and keeping him in, in Michigan where they end up and it's about the you know it to me what i love most about the movie and you find out later in the movie at towards the end is that an artist can be crippled and they're they can't necessarily create if they're afraid to let their material out and he spends the entire movie saying you know don't apologize and yet he holds back an incredible piece of work that he's written because he's afraid what people will think because of what the content is. So let me try that again, Jeff. And we want to edit that out. I can say guest artist is a guest artist. Thanks for asking. Jeff. <laughs> guest, artist, guest artist is a 75 minute film where Jeff Daniels clashes with a young apprentice playwright. Jeff Daniels is a hall of fame playwright. And he's going toe-to-toe with a young uh, playwright about why art is dead and how it got dead and how to revive it. And the kid is romantic and Jeff is just wanting alcohol. Very funny, (laughs) uh, very realistic play. Now, um, the guest artist premiered digitally on July 21st. Was it always the plan to put a digital first, or was it COVID made a digital first? Well, actually, it did not open digitally on the 21st. It opened in a theater in Massachusetts at the Greenfield Theater in Massachusetts on July 10th with other dates that were set to open in Michigan, other dates in California. So the goal was to open, let it ever run in the theaters and then let it slide to all those streaming platforms. So we did, we ran for a week or we've still running in Greenfield for a couple of weeks, but in today's world, I mean, we all know we're going to live, you know, on another platform. So, I mean, do you think if COVID did not happen, do you think it would have um, gone out and it would have had the, the massive longer run um so you said it was on um a week what would you you know because like i said i don't think it, it premiered in rhode island theaters here aren't even open do you think it would have played differently if it wasn't for covid you know maybe it's a small it, it, here's here's what i saw i saw it in a lot of theaters during its festival run we played and won a tremendous amount of, of festivals and i got a chance to go see it and it played the same every time not for me but for them they laughed in the same spot, you know, they, you know, an audience can sway a movie or a play that didn't happen here, but that doesn't mean I think it would have been a box office smash in what people are used to seeing in the theaters. 
today with Star Wars and everything, I don't think it would have run very long. I think it's probably in the, had a longer run. What It's the 28th. It's been running for 18 days in a theater. It probably would have run this three weeks, four weeks. Some theaters, it would have run six months, maybe, if they really liked it, some of the small theaters, but not the biggies. I think it would. It was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be a, a, a box. We weren't going toe-to-toe with, you know, the Harry Potter audience. We just weren't. That's why we made the film for 300 grand and shot it in a week. We didn't want to risk that kind of money or that kind of... We, we didn't want to have to make a movie that had to make $50 million to still lose money or break even. We wanted to embrace the play and and let it run a theater and the art house theater you know i think it would have run for whatever art house movies run for three four weeks yeah actually if you don't mind we're gonna make a, a slight um right turn can we talk about west wing for a little while yeah i have a few questions i know like i said about uh three or four but I, I will say the West Wing is my favorite all-time television program. I watched the episodes. I actually was watching the episodes on Netflix today and for the last few weeks to catch up on it. But I, and I think your character of Danny Kincannon was phenomenal. I think you did a wonderful job with it. Was he always meant to be recurring? You know, Aaron and Aaron Sorkin and I had done, we have to back up a little bit. I did A Few Good Men on Broadway. I replaced Tom Hulse in Broadway. And we became great friends, Aaron and I. Best of friends. And then I did, he did a play at my theater that I started in Sacramento. Then I directed, we hung out all through the 90s and, and I directed Sports Night. And then when West Wing went, he called me during the second episode, the first episode after the pilot and said, I, I'm going to, I need you. I need you. I need your heart is what he said. Exactly. I want you. I, I, and I got a part of a, a Washington Post Pulitzer Prize winning reporter and possibly a love interest to Alice and Janney's character. And I said, I'm in. I did 14 that first year. And then the second year I did six, but was offered a producing job on Ed Ed bowling alley lawyer show. And I needed to become a better filmmaker for longevity. I, I love playing Danny. I didn't need Danny. I didn't need Danny. I didn't need to play Danny Kincannon to be able to get a part on a TV show or movie as an actor. That was the Emmy Award gave me that. You know, I was going to, somebody was going to be dumb enough to hire me. But so I left the show and went and did Ed. And then Aaron brought me back in season four when he was wrapping up his time there to close out season four with the storyline of me knowing that they'd ordered the assassination of a leader of another country. So in my mind, I was never a regular, nor was I ever going to be a regular. I was directing like crazy and wanted to continue directing. And they paid me really good money on West Wing in that, particularly in that second season and the seventh season. And the fourth season. Uh, so I was happy to roll in if they needed me. But the idea of producing and directing and learning how to become a better director is what I wanted. 
and then when West Wing ended, I joined Studio 60. Although I'm called a consultant, I'm <laughs> a series regular and a producer, producing director on that show. Well, one of the, I think the, the most impressive things on the West Wing is your chemistry with um, Allison Janney, CJ Craig, is definitely one of the highlights of your, your, your show and your appearances on that show. And I was, I was wondering, is chemistry something that is practiced or is something that just kind of you either have it or you don't? Is it natural or do you, is there a way for an actor to build it up, practice it, develop it? Or, you know, I guess you know where, where I'm going with that question. You know, I think if, for, if you're enormously self-conscious or if you've got a lot of issues, I think it's difficult to have chemistry with anybody. I was clear about what my job was on that show, and it wasn't about Dan. Episodes were not about Danny. My job was there to support CJ and Allison and to help Allison. Her character on her journey is what the audience was going to track. She was a series regular. It was the show was about those actors that played the regulars on those shows. And when you're a director or you're an actor and you don't know what people's jobs are, chemistry might be tough to get. I knew my job when Aaron told me that it was a possible love interest. Allison didn't know that, but it allowed <laughs> me to be flirting with her from the very first scene. And she reacted to it. She was like, Busfield's just, I think the character, Busfield, one of them want to sleep with me. <laughs> uh, and she was off balance by it. Uh, Aaron told me what to do. I was just following the coacher, coaching advice. And it created chemistry. Allison will react to whatever's there. And Allison only gets upset when you stray from what is happening in the moment. Like if we're walking and I drop something and I go, oh, crap, I dropped that thing. She would say, why'd you stop? <laughs> what do you, why'd you stop? It was great. We could have kept going. It would have been really great. So she reacts really well. And the fundamentals of acting are listening and reacting. And she's one of the greats. So me going at her to be knowing from Aaron that I was, you know, a potential love interest, that meant that my character had a crush on her from the, the get-go. I played that. She reacted to that. And we had a great time off and on for seven years. Now, as an actor, I mean, were you happy with how the character um, was resolved at the end of the series? Or as an actor, you don't have that kind of investment in your character? Because like I said, or again, the other question as well as connected, are you also happy with how well-remembered the show is as well? Because I mean, all these years later. West Wing is, nobody needs to worry about, there was a part of the West Wing about how the West Wing is being received. Uh, it's the most awarded show I think ever made. And the banner, I mean, and Aaron was on fire. West Wing will live on forever. Uh, great, great. On the West Wing, John Wells came to me and asked, and I was producing Without a Trace on the Warner Brothers lot. And he said, "We would you come back if we do, we, we're the season opener for seven, year seven is we're going forward and there's a library being named for Bartlett. Will you do that episode for scale, right? For no money. And I said, which I don't very say, I said, I'll do it if you wrap up my storyline with CJ. 
And he said, we'd love to do it. I didn't know you wanted to do it. Everybody thought, because I'm a Sorkinite, that when Aaron left the show, that I didn't want to do the show. Yeah. Uh, I would have didn't have a problem doing the show. Aaron wasn't going to have a problem if I went back. So I said, wrap up my character. So they wrote a few episodes. Whitford wrote one of them that Andrew Bernstein directed and did a great job. And then Deborah Kahn and Wells wrote the second to last episode. And it may be one of my favorite episodes of anything I've ever done. Deborah did a great job writing it. And in the second to last episode of The West Wing, we find out that after knowing now that CJ and Danny get married, we find out that Danny, and which I love, Danny's both the man and the woman in the episode, which is <laughs> traditional husband and wife. He's both. Right, right, is, right. He's like, I'll be Mr. CJ Craig. I'll be that. But you have to talk to me. You have to open up to me. You have to tell me what's going on. You can't be like a guy and stay back. If you do that, I'll be your man. I I will, <laughs> you know, I'll be the man for you. Yeah. And accept that you're the man of the family as far as being more, you, you know, the whatever she was going to be, chief, chief of staff, or whatever she was going to be for Smith's character, right? Yeah. And her reaction was, and I say, you got to talk to me, was, okay, I'll talk to you. There's a typo in the Constitution, which was <laughs> such a Sorkin line. And Aaron didn't write it. But yeah, it yeah. was so, Deborah and Wells, I don't think they did a good job, as good a job knocking off Aaron in season five. Yeah, as they yeah. did six and seven. But that moment when she says to Danny that there's a typo in the Constitution, that his reaction is, we need to get that fixed. That moment is also, I love you and I hear you. Yeah. And that duo, when things play at two different planes like that, and the writing does that, that's very Aaron and John Wells being a great writer and then Deborah Kahn being a great writer, uh, especially for dialogue. It was heaven for me to have a full circle. So I did care on the West Wing and it didn't happen for me on the West Wing. See, yeah, I must admit, I really liked season seven. I'm actually a little bit different. I felt six was the weakest and five was better than six, but seven, I, I was like, I was relieved that they wrapped it up in a way that is strong. A lot of series fall apart at the very end. Because obviously it, they went on just a little too long. You know, like, it seems like every show goes on one or two seasons past the point where they should have, which was, I'm glad that West Wing was able to pick it up right at the end. I thought that was fantastic. And I do think the show, I must, the only thing, I only issue I always have, I have with the West Wing is, unfortunately, as things have turned now, the show feels more like fantasy than when I first watched it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when I first watched the show, I was like, wow, this is wonderful. This is how things could be. This is how things are. Now I'm looking back going, you know what I'm saying? It's like, wow, that's a nice story. <laughs> fairy tale story about a, about a bunch of people who give a shit. <laughs> you know? was, uh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron was on fire. He was idealistic. He was taking the best of what, you know, Aaron was, Aaron's just a genius. Anyway, and he was on fire there and picking Pat Cadell and Eddie Myers, the brains of all these great people that he had advisors that had been in Washington and worked for presidents. And, you know, I, I don't know how he did it, but it was fantasy. <laughs> all, all TV's fantasy. Do, do you think the show, because clearly people are way more cynical about government now. Do you think the show 
would have been as successful or even been picked up given today's climate and those characters? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, because, you know, you can't, honestly, the, it starts with the script. If the script, all the movies that you've loved, that you love, all the great movies, were great scripts. It's really hard to make a great movie out of a bad script. Very hard. You got to have really smart people. The Sting, Redford told me when we were doing Sneakers, that was just, that was George Roy Hill who directed The Sting and Butch Cassidy and Slapshot. He said it was the smartest director he'd ever worked with. He made that movie. A director in a feature film can influence a script greatly, especially if they're connected to it and they love it and they get it. But if it's not in shape by the time they start shooting, it's going to be really hard to make a great movie out of it. The West Wing was a great script. It was just a great script. The pilot was brilliant. As a matter of fact, Aaron wouldn't talk to me for a while (laughs) because he sent me Sports Night and the West Wing. And I said, Sports Night's great. West Wing is ridiculously genius. And he got mad at me. So what's wrong with Sports Night? I said, (laughs) no, it was great. Sports Night's great. West Wing is ridiculously, that's the best thing I've ever read. And he said, you don't think Sports Night's any good? And I said, (laughs) are you mental? It's great. But it was a great script. They would do it now. You couldn't pass on can't really pass on a script that's great really hard if you write a great script it gets made there's not and people would love to believe that it's who you know or how things got or politics or whatever but if it's a great script it there's not a lot of great scripts laying around out there there's not well i I think what the nice thing about the west wing is that you do learn it's almost like you mentioned baseball like baseball the idea that there's an all-star and then there's your hall of famers, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you, and you can see the difference between the players who can make the all-star game and the ones who are the, your hall of fame players. And the West wing is definitely the hall of fame s- series. And I thought it was wonderful. I think you did a fantastic job. I've had you for a while. So I'm just going to ask you, um, is there any current project you want to um, mention that you're working on or upcoming? No, just so you know, Melissa and I got our podcast on, on uh, Gilbert and Busfield. It's out there. I'm eager to go back to for life. I don't know how it's going to work. And guest artists, please, we're in on every cable channel. Go to the video on demand, Redbox. You can find us. Jeff Daniels is brilliant in the movie. He wrote it. Tommy Macias is great. It was a great experience, and and we'd love for you to see it. Since you you said you're a podcast, what is the podcast about? So people, when people want to go search for it, what what topics do you guys discuss? We talk, Melissa and I, it's pretty much just a a, a married couple in quarantine or in lockdown. (laughs) Raising chickens and talking about, you know, two actors talking about being farmers, mostly. That's what happens. And I like to embarrass her as much as I possibly could. <laughs> uh, uh, well, 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 we'll make sure when the episode goes live that we have a, we'll, we'll have a link to your podcast. So also, if you want to email me the, the link to the podcast, please do. So I can make sure we post it on our information on the website, which will be fantastic. And I want to listen to it. But I want to thank you, sir, so much. You were phenomenal, and you made so many good shows that I've been watching. I said, For Life is wonderful. The West Wing is wonderful. I do want to see the, the guest stars as well. That looks fantastic. So thank you so much, sir, for talking to me. Thanks, Jeff, a lot. You did a great job. I enjoyed talking to you. 
Oh, greatly appreciate. Thank you so much, sir. I, I I was geeking out for a while. I was very nervous going to the. I was like, oh, you know, because I'm such a I'm a fan of yours. I was like, oh god, I'm gonna blow this completely. But thank you, thank you so much. What you do as a teacher with you know students that have a difficult time is infinitely superior to anything I've ever done in my life. So don't get don't get nervous. You're a better man than I am. Well, thank you so much. And we're back. <laughs> and you just listened to Timothy Busfield. Someone in his own words. <laughs> yeah, and Jeff Ott. No. He, he was there too. So Yeah, no, that was awesome. Yeah, no, it was so cool. Was this, a- was like, this was a good get to have on the show. He was, he was a great guy. To talk. I mean, he hung out with Jeff for two hours. Who, who, who can talk with Jeff for two hours? I mean... Timothy Bestfield can. Apparently, Timothy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Just kidding, Jack. I hope you awesome. guys really enjoyed that. Hopefully, we we were cool enough and convinced Tim to hopefully come back someday. Yeah, just hang out. And, and hang out and do some things. So, if you enjoyed that, if you really did enjoy that and you want to have more things like that, head on over to spoilerverse.com. Check out our back issues. There are so many things for you to peruse and enjoy. Uh, I'd just be shocked if you didn't find some other interview or some other show topic that you didn't find interesting. And while you're there, check out all of our articles and our reviews and our previews and the Roaches Den and K-Files and, and Deeper Mimi and the downloads. So much cool stuff up there that you don't even know what you're missing because you haven't seen it yet. So go check it out. And also check out all the other podcasts. Go to our store, buy a t-shirt, buy a hoodie, look fly yourself, be the coolest kid in town. And help us support us out a little bit by giving us a dollar or two with that. And I just realized, Kenrick, this is totally yeah. off topic, but I just I bought new headphones so I would stop the bleeding issue with my headphones, and I forgot yeah. to put them on. This is my first chance <laughs> to use them, and I didn't put them what, on. What kind of uh, headphones did you get? I bought, um, oh god, it's it's an O company brand, O N something or other. They're they're nothing fancy. They're just, they were just like sound canceling, you know, studio monitor headphones. They're like fifty dollars, nothing big. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I just got them because I needed something quick, but then I forgot to put them on. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> and to be fair to be fair such is know, the life of I mr horsley i don't even know where they are right now damn it <laughs> lost in the expansive world of the horsley mansion <laughs> right right <laughs> oh my god anyways that's all i got all right guys well i hope you enjoyed that we are out of here uh, it's time for bed it is time for bed go and to bed kenrick i am going to bed you go to bed johnny i will I will. Okay, then. All right. Introductions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, go to sleep and open the mind. <laughs> Just read more. Read as much as you can. It opens that mind. And then go to sleep after, after you read. There you go. All right, man. Bye. Later. <laughs>